What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint and you walk toward eternity. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, relationship advice, evangelization, discipleship, catechesis, and the list goes on and on and on. I will sit with your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that will help you to grow in your relationship with God. If you want to hit me up with your own questions, comments, and critiques, you can do so at www.assistiopress.com slash askfatherjosh. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and other podcast formats. And you can share us on your social media pages. If the show is good for you, it might be helpful for other people as well. On today's show, I'm going to be addressing a question that came in from social media about Pope Francis and something he said about social justice and what does the church really mean by that. Uh, But before I get to that question about social justice, yeah, I want to share with you a glory story. So my glory story is this. Um, is um, this is actually the last podcast that I'm going to record for the next few months. So that's not my glory story. Just want to let you know, this is the last new podcast that'll be out there for at least three months. I'll be coming back in the fall. I'm gonna take a break for the summer. I'm going to Medjugorje to go spend some time with Our Lady, and um, and then my associate pastor is going to go to study canon law for a while. So he's going to leave for two years. Yeah, and so with that, I'm going to have. Yeah, just a lot of stuff to get done. But the glory story is that to help me get this stuff done, uh, our bishop, Michael Duca, and I've mentioned this before, but it's actually happening right now. He has welcomed the Vagabond Missionaries. I'm the chaplain for the Vagabond Missions, the national organization. Um, I'm also on the board for Vagabond, but he welcomed Vagabond to come to our diocese. And Vagabond Missionaries are amazing uh, young adults who are invested in inner city youth. Uh, through Bible studies and uh, sports and friendship and relationship and retreats and missions and RCIA. And yeah, just it's just so beautiful. And they're coming to my diocese and they're going to serve in my community in Mid-City, Baton Rouge, around Sacred Heart of Jesus and Our Lady of Mercy and St. Joseph's Cathedral and all over our area. And so we're just super excited to welcome them. Uh, we actually have a retreat for our missionaries that we're doing at Sacred Heart of Jesus this weekend. And I love it because we're beginning our retreat with our team of missionaries on our knees before the Blessed Sacrament in the Eucharist. Jesus Christ, adoration. And yeah, that's like, you know, the first thing he told the apostles was to sit, watch, and pray, and then do everything else. And so we're just going to sit, watch, and pray. And then the fruit of our prayer, the fruit of our not only personal relationships with Jesus, but our communal relationship with Jesus will inspire us with the mind of Jesus for what he wants for the geographical boundaries of our land. And so my glory story is that we are going to pray and we are going to let the, the fruit of our prayer dictate 
our discernment of how we're going to serve the inner city kids throughout my neighborhood and throughout the neighborhoods that surround the the parishes that uh, surround my parish. And so, yeah, it's just, I'm so happy. I'm so excited. And um, it's just going to be so good, y'all. Like the Lord has been so generous. We already got a house, a very generous uh, benefactor got us a house for the missionaries to live in. And right now we're renovating one of our buildings on our campus. That's going to be our underground hub. And uh, that's going to be a place for the kids to be able to come after school, a safe place to to pray and to fellowship and to hang out and to study and to just be free to be safe. It's so good. So if you actually, if you, I'll go ahead and say this. If you want to support the work we're doing, then, uh, yeah, just, you know, you can do that. You can pray for us, you can fast for us, and you can reach out to our parish and find out how you can help us out, sacredheartbr.org and sacredheartbr.com. That's our church's website and our school's website. If you go to those websites, you can find how you can plug into the work we're doing. It's so, so exciting. I cannot wait. I'm so happy to be working with these missionaries and discipling the young high school students in our boundaries in their relationship with the Lord it is going to be fire. And with that, let's jump into today's show. So our question comes in from Anonymous, and it's about Pope Francis and about a very prominent philosopher who uh, attacked Pope Francis on social media um, back in February. So Pope Francis, on February 20th, he said this, hashtag social justice demands that we fight against the causes of poverty, inequality, and the lack of labor, land, and lodging against those who deny social and labor rights and against the culture that leads to taking away the dignity of others. Then a very prominent philosopher who has been promoted by other Catholic individuals in the Catholic social media space, uh, he said this, there's nothing Christian about social justice. So Father Josh, is the Pope right or is this philosopher right? So this is actually a really great question. Um, I think that it's important for all of us to, like, in humility, know our place. <laughs> I, uh, one of my brothers, Kevin, he works for the plant. Uh, he's an electrician. I don't know nothing about electricians. Now, I grew up with my brother. He's an electrician. He, uh, I've seen him do his, his, his work before. But I know my place. And I'm never going to come to my brother and be like, hey, look, you're wrong in what you're doing because I've read on Google something about what you're doing. Or I heard about electricians. Like, I'm going to respect the fact that he might know a little bit more than me when it comes to certain things. I think in this particular case, the philosopher that, I'm not going to say his name because I don't think it's important, but the philosopher that took a shot at Pope Francis should probably cultivate the virtue of humility because he says there's nothing Christian about hashtag social justice. That's anti-biblical. And that's actually anti-Catholic because social justice is, is rooted in sacred scriptures. 
it's uh, described pretty well in the Catechism of the Catholic Church and in the Compendium of Catholic Social Teaching. There have been many encyclicals from popes who are canonized saints who wrote about themes of social justice in their letters, and the saints have also lived out social justice and talked about it. So I think this person, this philosopher, would do well to, to you know, before you speak, to go get formed, right? Um, I think that there's, it's just, uh, you know, St. Paul, he, after he persecuted the church, right? so I would say this philosopher is actually persecuting the church because he's going against the church teaching right now. And so he's persecuting the church. So Jesus Christ is saying to this philosopher, insert name, insert name, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me, bro? And so he, that's what Jesus Christ said to Saul. And then after Saul was blinded, stripped of his sight, he spent about three years being formed. Like he had to go away for a while before he began to like publicly speak. Uh, it might be a good idea before this philosopher speaks on Catholic church teaching, and this philosopher is not even Catholic, it might be a good idea for you to go away for a while and get formed in the Bible, get formed in the catechism of the Catholic church, get formed in the encyclicals written by some of our popes who are canonized saints, get formed in the compendium of the church's social teachings, and get formed in the lives and the witnesses and in the stories of the saints, the blesses, the venerables, and the servants of God who precede us in our walk toward eternity. And then speak after you've spent a lot of time listening. Before you tweet, pray. How do you pray? By listening to God talk. How do you listen to God talk? By opening up your Bible and your catechism <laughs> and reading. And then... After you spent time reading and pondering with that which you read, hopefully through Lexi Divina, then, then maybe tweet something. But don't, don't tweet something uh, against a member of the body of Christ, Pope Francis, because you disagree with him and you think you're right and then double down on what you said. Like, that's just not cool, bro. So the Bible says to the prophet Micah that we are to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. And Isaiah's command, he commands us to seek justice and to correct oppression and to bring justice to the fatherless and plead the widow's cause. This is in the Bible, in the Old Testament. The Bible is filled with commands to care for the poor, to defend the powerless, to seek justice for the widows and the orphans, to free the oppressed. To reject social justice is to reject some of the teachings from sacred scripture and the catechism of the Catholic Church. As Christians, we are disciples of Jesus Christ. We follow a God, Jesus Christ, who lived out these values. He who himself was poor and sick and afflicted and oppressed. The prophet Isaiah wrote about Jesus in the Old Testament when he said, He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man suffering, familiar with pain, like one from whom people hid their faces, and he was despised. And we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. And the Lord laid on him the in iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to his slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away yet who of his generation protested? 
For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. That's from Isaiah 53. We worship a God who tells us that when we serve others who are poor, who are disenfranchised, who are marginalized, we're serving him. In Matthew chapter 25, Verse 31 through 46, he says this. Jesus Christ himself says this. So you should probably listen. When the Son of Man comes in glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on the right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you visited me. The righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed, and to the eternal fire prepare for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of these least, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to the eternal punishment but the righteous to eternal life. The Bible is pretty clear, pretty clear that like Pope Francis says, we should care about hashtag social justice, which, as he said, demands that we fight against the causes of poverty, inequality, and the lack of labor, land, and lodging, against those who deny social and labor rights, and against the culture that leads to taking away the dignity of others. The Catechism of the Catholic Church has an entire section on social justice, literally on social justice. This term is in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. In paragraph 1928, we read this. Society ensures social justice when it provides the conditions that allow associations or individuals to obtain what is their due according to their nature and their vocation. Social justice is linked to the common good in the exercise of authority. Social justice can be obtained only in respecting the transcendent dignity of man. The person represents the ultimate end of society, which is ordered to him. In addition to the catechism, we have this really cool book called The Compendium of the Social Doctrine of the Church, and it says this in paragraph 201. The church's social magisterium constantly calls for the most classical forms of justice to be respective, communicative, distributed, and legal justice. Ever greater importance has been given to social justice, which represents a real development in General justice, the justice that regulates social relationships according to the criterion of observance of the law. Social justice, a requirement related to the social question, which today is worldwide in scope, concerns the social, political, and economic aspects, and above all, the structural dimension of problems and their respective solutions. The themes of social justice have been written about through many encyclicals from many popes, Pope Leo XIII and Rem Navarre, 1891. Pope John XXIII and Pachamateris, 1963. 
Pope Paul VI, Pope Lauren Progressio in 1967, and of course, Pope John Paul II, Santissimus Annus in 1991. These themes are addressed in these letters written by these popes, many of whom are canonized saints. And in addition to the Bible and the Catechism and the Compendium on Social Teaching and the Encyclicals of the Holy Fathers, we have the lives and the witnesses and the words of the saints. Dorothy Day, she talks about the example of this Belgian priest. He had been a missionary in China, uh, and he literally walked thousands upon thousands upon thousands of miles for his work because he wanted to go from one side of the United States of America all the way to the other as an act of protest for the abuses which the railroads were implicated. And so commenting on this, she says this, it is true indeed that until we begin, this is Dorothy Day, it is true indeed that until we begin to develop a few apostles along these lines, we will have no mass conversions, no social justice, no peace, we need saints. God, give us saints. She, like, she was one of those saints. I mean, she legit, like, she fought against injustices. And oftentimes, and she's a servant of God right now, she was arrested. She said this a number of years ago. When I went to jail in the 50s for civil disobedience, and a few of us were arrested each year for six years, I felt glad as I entered my cell that now at last I could really be poor for a time, for a day for a week or a month, that for no matter how small of a time it was, I was at last sharing a little of the misery of the poor. In a way, it was true. I was stripped, prodded, and searched for drugs, pushed from here to there, caged half the 24 hours like a wild beast. Yes, I had just enough of it to teach me to suffer more keenly for the rest of my life over the plight of the prisoner. I'm convinced that prayer and austerity, prayer and self-sacrifice, prayer and fasting, prayer, vigils, and marches are the indispensable means in love. All these means are useless unless animated by love. Love your enemies. That is the hardest saying of all. Another really cool quote from a, a future saint. He's also a servant of God like Dorothy Day, Dom Helder Kamara. He said this. <laughs> I reflect on this often. When I give food to the poor, they call me a saint. He's a servant of God, all right? He says, when I give food to the poor, they call me a saint. When I ask why the poor have no food, they call me a communist. <laughs> I think we throw around this word communist too easy today. We have no idea what we're saying when we're saying it and how dangerous it is to call somebody a communist. And they called Dorothy Day a communist. and She's a servant of God. They called servant of God, Dom Helder Kamara, a communist. He's also a servant of God. And so uh, the church has pretty much proven that they were on the right side of history and their foes were on the wrong side of history. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr., he also fought for justice, and throughout his life, he was called the most dangerous. This is what the FBI called him. The FBI called Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. the most dangerous Negro in America. That's from the FBI, it's like written documents. This man was a preacher, and he prayed, and he fat, and he, was he perfect? No. Was Peter perfect? No. Look at the lives of the saints, were they perfect? No. So did he have many sins? Yes, but he fought for justice and he he worked for a just world and he prayed and he was a holy man he just had a lot of you know, struggles but they said he was the most dangerous person specifically the most dangerous negro in america so oftentimes people who are prophets people who who speak truth especially uncomfortable truth 
are trashed throughout their whole life. And then after they die, then we begin to look at their lives and say, oh, me, maybe they weren't that bad. And maybe what they said actually was kind of good. So, um, yeah, so this person, this philosopher who came for Pope Francis on social media, I want to invite you to repent. And I want to invite you to believe in the gospel. I want to invite you to, to cultivate the virtue of humility and to fast from tweeting and to actually read the Bible and the catechism and the compendium and the encyclicals and the stories of the saints. Uh, because I think that they will help you to better understand what our Holy Father Pope Francis was saying when he tweeted what he tweeted. He said what he said. And everything he said in that particular tweet, um, I happen to agree with. And I think the church would too. So God bless you. I'm praying for you. But again, um, yeah, Lady of Humility is a great prayer to pray. And I think that you're called to be a saint. And I think that if you became Catholic, it would be a great gift for you, for your own salvation. But also if you received the teachings of the church, you could use those teachings to purify um, some of the logic of the world that you're operating out of. And God could use the, the gift of the church to help you to communicate to many more people the gift of, of the logic of Christ, which is transformative, which is healing, which restores, renews, and reforms communities. So, yeah, you are loved. And uh, again, fast from tweeting and read the gifts that Holy Mother Church has given us. With that, I'm going to take a break and I'm going to invite you to stay with me because we're going to talk about a priest who is actually one of my new favorite priests. And he's given me a model to follow throughout my, my walk toward eternity. And I think he'll inspire you to maybe follow as well. Stay tuned. And if you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie and Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. That's youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. All right, our saint for this show is not a canon saint yet either. Like, Dorothy Day, she's a servant of God, and Dom Helder Kometer is a servant of God. This guy is not a servant of God. He's a venerable, so he's the next step to being a blessed. He's from the United States of America. His name is Venerable Orfanz Gallegos, and he is from California. And he wasn't from the city of Compton, but he was from Watts. And, uh, yeah, he was just known for his participation in works of, get this, justice. Throughout his community, which included his fight against abortion, he fought against abortion, but he also fought against nuclear arms. See, whenever we are rooted in discipleship, whenever we are rooted in the gospel, whenever we are rooted in all the teachings of the church, we're not conservative or liberal. Like, we're not. Like, so for people who are like, I'm conservative. Like, okay, well, the gospel's not like uber conservative. Or people are like, I'm liberal. Okay, well, okay, well, the gospel's not super liberal. If you are going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and follow all the church's teachings, then it's going to radically change your life and your worldview, because you're going to think with the logic of Christ, inspired and informed by scripture and tradition, and you're going to be misunderstood by everybody. Everybody's going to be like, oh, we can't put you in a box. Like, you're not Republican or Democrat. You're not conservative or liberal. What are you? And you say, I'm Catholic. So, Venerable Alphonse Gallegos fought against abortion and nuclear arms. He fought for the rights of workers and access to quality education for his students. 
Meg Hunter Kilmer has a really, really, really great write-up on him that she did online. You should check it out. Type in his name with Meg Hunter Kilmer. You'll read a great article she wrote. But he was known as the Bishop of the Barrio. He spent the majority of his priesthood in the chapel and in the streets. I love that. In the chapel and in the streets. He worked to cultivate unity throughout his community. Jesus Christ in John 17 prayed for unity, and that's what he did. He would go to different gangs who were warring with each other. And he would spend time with them. And he was very fruitful in his ministry because he knew them and they knew him. And he knew them and they knew him because he actually spent time with them. He invested into life with them. He poured himself out for them. He helped young people get out of the gangs. He was attentive to their gifts and he would recognize where their talents were and their resources. And if they were creative, he would get them to uh, do their graffiti artwork and do graffiti over trashy stuff and put like religious images all over town. Uh, if they were super smart, then he would invite them to help those who were academically challenged in their studies by tutoring them. The kids in the streets, they saw this bishop, Alphonse Gallegos, as their father. Whenever they got in trouble, who are they going to call? Not Ghostbusters. They called him. They called him first and foremost. And yeah, his life he was in some pretty messy situations and some dangerous situations, but these are for his kids. And what situation would a parent not go in to protect their children? Sometimes he would notice that some of his kids were getting pulled into some bad gangs and he would literally go up to them like, hey, I got dinner at your house tonight. And they're like, what? And he'd be like, yeah, tell me your house. I forgot where y'all live. So they would like walk away from the gang members with him. When they got to the house, he'd walk inside and tell the parents, we have dinner tonight. The parents had no idea. He wasn't lying because they ended up having dinner that night. But he said that to get the kids away from the gang members. He worked to enhance the educational experience of his parishioners by fighting for uh, Spanish and bilingual education to be incorporated throughout the schools in his community. Uh, he paid the tuition for people who lived in poverty and weren't able to go to Catholic schools. He marched alongside Cesar Chavez with the United Farm Workers. He helped undocumented immigrants become legal citizens. Like his life was devoted to the poorest of the poor, the most vulnerable among us, from those who were in the womb to those who were in the streets. Uh, he is somebody who, when I look at his life, I say, I want to be like that priest. Like he's my dude. Let me give you a glimpse of how he died, because how he died is just so beautiful. This is the last day of his life. He celebrated the holy sacrifice of the Mass at his parish. He spoke at a pro-life rally. He visited a young man who was dying from AIDS. He made tamales with parishioners at the parish. He helped a group of Korean Catholics uh, as they visited one of their future parish sites. He celebrated another mass of confirmation for his students. And then on his ride back home, he prayed the rosary in the car. Because he lived such a simple life, his car broke down and he got out the car to push the car while other priests drove or like you know, used a steering wheel and he actually got hit by a car and that's how he died by pushing a car but like literally he celebrated masses sacraments of confirmation prayed the rosary spoke at pro-life events accompanied people dying from aids hung out parishioners like this man was gosh what a gift what a day what a life imagine what our world would look like if every priest lived like this particular bishop of the burial he was devoted to Jesus Christ in prayer, and he was devoted to Jesus Christ and his people. He was devoted to Jesus Christ in the chapel, and he was devoted to Jesus Christ in the streets. People who are poor, ostracized, marginalized, disenfranchised, he was devoted to them. And now he's on the path to becoming a canonized saint. Ah, oh, 
So Venerable Arfans Gallegos, I want to invite you to pray for us. Until I am with you again in about three months or so, I will be always united with you in the Eucharist. Please pray for me as I pray for you so that we can become saints together one day. And uh, yeah, and just as I gave that philosopher whose name I shall not mention the advice, I want to give that advice to you as well. Spend time reading the word of God. During this break, what I encourage you to do as we take a break from each other, uh, read the Bible. Read the Bible. Father Mike Schmitz, his Bible in your podcast will help you. In addition to the Bible, read the catechism. Guess what? Father Mike Schmitz, his catechism in the year will help you. In addition to the catechism, read the compendium on the Catholic social teachings. And in addition to the Catholic social teachings, if you have time this summer, read some encyclicals from John Paul II and from Pope Benedict, Pope Francis, from Pope Paul VI, John XXIII, Leo XIII. Read these beautiful encyclicals from our popes. And finally, if you have still more time, read the lives of the saints because they, they could not be put in a box and neither can we because we cannot box the gospel. The gospel transcends politics. It transcends ideologies. It transcends these worldly philosophies. The gospel is the most beautiful thing ever. Most importantly, like just spend time with Jesus at mass and adoration through Lexia Divina, through devotions to the rosary, in prayer, and in service to the poorest of the poor. Jesus Christ is sufficient. He is enough. And yeah, if we give him time, he will do more for us than we could ever imagine. So for all of our brothers and sisters who are still, yeah, not fully home yet, let's pray for them. And let's hope that one day they too can be joined with us at the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass and the Sacramental Life of the Church because when we are rooted in the sacraments, then we can, whew, we can be great, great witnesses like Venerable Arafans Gallegos, this Bishop of the Burial. And we can only imagine what God can do in and through us for the good of his people throughout our walk toward eternity. So again, it's been a gift, a pleasure to walk with you in this podcast. I will see you in a few months. And um, yeah, I'll pray for you when I'm in Medjugorje. So yeah, pray for me too. God bless. Deuces. <laughs>